Yo, yo. Yo, yo. Yo, what's up? Hey, what's We're up? Live. Okay. I've been on five. Been waiting my whole life. Have you? Sure. <laughs> to be a guest on a podcast. You were a guest once before. Yeah, you know. Thanks for having me. I uh I love being included in these uh in this sort of thing, especially now that you're doing a book review. Well, I've never you know, been a, never really been in a book club before. We're in a book this is this is book club. This is Basically, Get Some yeah. Productions book club. I'm Actually, just, I should call it that. Yeah, you should. Dude, that's it. You just you just fucking you help, you've only been on the show for 2 seconds and you just helped me out like you gave me this brilliant marketing idea. This is what I do. <laughs> All right, so I'll do the intro. Uh, this is the Get You Some Productions podcast, episode 38. Get You Some Productions podcast is a podcast covering all things related to music production, from the first note to the last fan and everything in between. Um, we create music and inspire others to do the same, or at least we try to. The motto, I actually want to start saying the motto up front. Our motto is to create constantly and inspire others to do the same. So actually what I'm going to do up front, I may, I'm just testing this out, but what I may start doing now is say, if you're a musician, which you, why would you be listening to this if you're not a musician unless you're in our family or something? But um, if you're a musician, uh, our motto is to create constantly and inspire others to do the same. So Instead of listening to this podcast right now, go practice your instrument for 10 minutes or go play a song. Then come back and listen to the podcast, you know, if, if you need that kind of motivation. Um, so uh, I am here. My name is Keith, and my usual uh, co-host and partner in crime, Dan Kutcher, is not able to make this particular episode, so... I have a special, special guest, Justin Wirtz, who is an old friend of mine. Not that we're old, um, but he, we've been friends for quite a long time uh, since high school. So I'm going to say 94, 1994. Would you say? Would you say that? Um, yeah, I'd say around. Yeah, I, I guess I, I graduated in like 97, and I met you when I was a freshman so yeah maybe 93 94 somewhere around there yep yep so justin uh i'll just do i'll give you a quick like intro justin okay say cool. i don't know rock and roll extraordinaire <laughs> you were <laughs> we actually so i was your guitar teacher right that was yep. when i first met you i was your guitar teacher yeah that was in with the mid 90s mm-hmm changed then, my life well, thank you. You changed my life. Then we were in a band together, and you were in another band simultaneously. Yeah. Um, we were in a band called Oliver's Musical Genius, and then you were in a band called Trademark. Um, yeah. And Trademark was something, man. You guys were, you know, you guys were hot to trot, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought so at the time, it's, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And then, uh, and then you were in uh, Cheryl's Magnetic. I don't know if I'm getting the time order, but you were in Cheryl's Magnetic Aura. Was that the next band? Yeah, that and was it. You probably were hot to trot then too. Yeah, that band was cool. And what about Minegwar? Is that also? Yeah, and hot, then there, was and then, that also hot to trot? <laughs> I, I'd say so. I mean, kind of. All those, you know, all all the dudes from that band. Uh, I mean, at least most of them are, uh, I think they're all still, like, making music and involved, very involved in the music world. And, nice. Uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd say we, for a while, I mean, we lasted a, a bunch of years together, you know, like, even as uh, young adults. So totally. there's definitely some, something keeping us together that made us keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, now I, you're not in a band, right? I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, no, I'm just not. But um, you are writing a ton of music and awesome songs. I have been, yeah, the quarantine thing, uh, just giving me the time to, like, really lay low and um, 
I don't know what it was. Definitely sparked something. Uh, you know, just was able to was able to take enough in breaths. You know, was able to get enough inspiration and kind of block out all the other BS that may have been kind of like clouding, uh, clogging me up because, you know, uh, with those bands that you were talking about, like high school when we were in our bands and when I was doing trademark, I mean, I couldn't, you know, I, I know this is like very common, like, you know, uh, you'll even hear like Bob Dylan say like, yeah, I would be writing, you know, some crazy amount of songs every week. And he was young and, and the process was new. So he would, could do that but you know and I used to do the same thing constantly be writing just wanting to you know just like your motto always create and then I just kind of like didn't you know I even I put some recording out I am a fire sign I'm a Leo I like to be center stage so I think it was like almost like frustrated and I put this one thing out um you know which is cool but it was just instrumental stuff you know like it wasn't the whole like songwriting uh it wasn't like a big album. It was just kind of like... What, are you, what album are you talking about? Oh, I had this thing. It was called... Um, it was under the name Blank Baby, mm-hmm. which is even funny because, you know, Blank Baby, it's like, it's got a blank in the name, you know? So definitely had some sort of like creative, uh, you know, couldn't really come to full terms with like like creating a, a full mm-hmm. songs or full a- album for a while. So yeah, I've been into to it. I've been really into it. And, uh, you know, so reading this book during like this process of kind of like rekindling, uh, this mm-hmm. spark has been, uh, I'm, I'm really digging it. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm glad that, um, you're inspired. If you want to send me, um, the, the blank baby link. Mm-hmm. Did, last time we yeah, talked, did you send a me a band camp thing? Band camp. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, band camp does band camp. Do you have it for sale? Uh, I think I have it for free download. Yeah, if, in case you do, um, whatever. Actually, so this is something that I kind of like love about, and, and it's also kind of like crazy, but, you know, probably this podcast will be listened to by a handful of people and then disappear into the ether. <laughs> Maybe. Well, right. it will be around forever if it's in digital, right? Right, yeah, but that's the kind of the point I was about to make was that, yes, it will technically be around forever, so we always include links in the description so that people can click on it. And mm-hmm. you never know, like that, you know, that Bandcamp link might, you know, one day be profitable if this podcast stays out there, this and others, you know. So we'll include a link, and then if you want to start charging for the album. And Bandcamp Fridays, I don't even have my stuff on Bandcamp, but I don't think I do. But um, Bandcamp is awesome. They do Bandcamp Fridays where they waive their revenue sharing. Yeah. And, yeah, and the yeah, artist gets paid 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say put the link, and I'll just put it there for free. I mean, you know, I yeah. I, I would just, uh, you know, I mean, think about every other artist who's, you know, just got their stuff on Spotify. Everyone's getting it basically for free. So yeah, I'm gonna start yeah. My thing, it's you know, it's not. <laughs> I was laughing. I, I would just love it. You know, I love it when I get a every once in a while someone will drop me an email like, "Are you ever gonna put more stuff out?" And, you know, like you know, people that and they're all over the world. They're like from Australia or wherever. Yeah. I'm kind of like. And they, you know, thanks. I appreciate it. Maybe I hope so. You know. Yeah. But. Well, I I wish you would because some of your songs are some of your new songs are so good. And yeah, it would I, just like be you know awesome to just see them out there. You know. Yeah, I hope to. You know, I, I I'm on like vacation right now. I've been off for a while, and I I am trying to get back into it again. You know, just waking up and like kind of getting at it and. uh uh, it's tons of fun. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. it's a slow go because I, my uh, attention is always split between so many things, but, uh, uh hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that, I mean, that's kind of a good segue because what I actually was sort of, I'm glad you agreed to do this project with me where we read the book and we do the book club on, on the podcast. Partially because you've been, um, you've been very helpful to me over my entire musical career in helping me, you know, materialize my stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, but I've been on, in other bands where where there were other people leading the, the cause and, you know, stuff got made, like albums and things got made and concerts were had and all that junk. But my own band... I don't think I would have been able to do it without you. 
I'm sure. Well, I mean, I, it, I would have been, but it wouldn't have been the same experience, right? Because you like really were partnered with me rather than, you know, having to pay like a studio and have a set amount of time. So, yeah. So what I think is like, what's awesome about this book is like, we can read this and we can learn to become, you know, uh, like more skilled, more mindful music producers. And hopefully we learn some skills to help each other out. You know, maybe yeah. if there's any way I can help you get your stuff out there, you know, that would be great. And then likewise, you know. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, uh, just what we do, I mean, this guy does it on a, definitely does it on a different level. Um, and I think, you know, keep in mind, like I was looking, I looked him up in his first real piece of credited music, I think was out in like 1979. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's got, I mean, think about like, I didn't even start playing guitar until middle school. So that was, oh, I don't know, like in early nineties. So he's got, he's got some time on us and he's got tons of like real industry experience. And, you know, he's, he seems to have like, uh, followed a path and then changed direction. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he seems to definitely have things down to a methodology too, down to some sort of a science. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you are uh, extremely, you know, I mean, I don't know the people who listen to this podcast. I, I, I can't imagine that they do. But, um, you know, when Keith and I will get together and sit around the table with guitars and throw ideas and songs and, you know, anything uh, back and forth. And Keith is just uh, super creative and amazing in his uh, uh, knowledge of music. And uh, or sh- I'm talking to the audience now, but mm-hmm. your knowledge of music and uh, uh, just your understanding and the ideas and the possibilities you throw out are, you know, that's, that very much is what this guy is talking about doing, like as a producer, like, we are like influencing influencing each other in a positive way and helping each other grow and kind of like, you know, uh, just shaping the things that we're doing. So, I mean, I think we've been doing it all along and uh, this guy's definitely got some cool, he's definitely got like an infrastructure, like, like I said, part of his his method. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think it would be cool to kind of like, as we read through this book, definitely, uh, right away, put some of this stuff into practice, you know, especially some of it is just like questionnaires and things like that. And just like really, oh, I know I'm getting ahead of myself now. So let's get well, back on that. Yeah, yes and no, because actually I think like, and thank you for saying all that stuff, but actually you and I have worked together and shared each other's songs and then critique each other. That's something we started doing right before the pandemic. Um, but you helped me a lot in when I was making my record where a lot of my songs, current, my current songs came to, you know, were crystallized. And a lot of it was in a process where you and I were feeding off of each other. Like you were giving me a lot of feedback about stuff. And so. Oh, making, making the, the handshake record. The handshake record. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I think like a lot of those the songs were, a little bit half baked going into the record. Yep. But, you know, <laughs> like, yep. It's just funny. Cause like, yeah. I, well, what? I thought about, I thought about the making of that record as, as he goes through his process and he breaks it down into like, pr- like pre-production and, and whatever. I mean, we basically put out that album, but going into it, you know, we, we, uh, there was a lot, I guess. Yeah. You say you refer to it as half baked, but it just, you know, not everything had been, uh, the attention to detail wasn't, you know, totally thought out yet. You know? Right. Yeah. We were sort of like throwing, what is it, like throwing the spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did that a lot. <laughs> but I think a lot of albums get made by that, too. You know, this guy's coming yeah. from a, uh, he's a pro, like a professional producer. Like, this is how he makes his career. Right. And, um, but, you know, there are plenty of artists and musicians who, that is their process, you know, and if you're lucky enough to uh, have people to work with you uh, and collaborate with you on that stuff, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
um, so actually, so to get to, to sort of bring everyone in on what's going on, um, we are talking about a book called Unlocking Creativity. Uh, the subtitle is A Producer's Guide to Making Music and Art. Uh, and it was written by Michael Beinhorn. So, of course, we'll link to the book if you want to read along with us. And episode 36, I believe, of the podcast, actually, I went over the book with Dan. So, technically, Dan, um, who's uh, the usual co-host on the podcast, is also part of the book club. So, if you want to hear another take on it, we can, you can go back and listen to episode 36. But this is going to be a whole series of podcasts. Uh, where we dig into the dig into the book, but I I was just going to go over the introduction because I had some things underlined mm-hmm. and sort of you know I had a couple of paragraphs underlined, so I'll I'll read them out loud and we'll just like we can just talk about them or we can just you know say yeah great let it hang okay go ahead shoot so first thing I had um, first thing I had underlined was he writes the truth is I was only good as a record producer when I viewed it as an artistic process. It only worked for me when I, realized, when I treated it as a form of my own personal expression. Then he goes, this is the main reason I wanted to write this book, to bring to light exactly what this process is and how to use it wisely and creatively as it pertains to record production. The process starts with knowing exactly who you are in relation to your work. In my case, I discovered I'm not a businessman. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm an artist. That's all I ever really wanted to be in the first place. So, I mean, we don't have to go too deep into this, um, and feel free to share whatever you, you know, whatever comes to mind. But he says the word process many times. Mm-hmm. And I think as the book goes on, we discover that, yes, it's a process. It's pretty formal, right? It's pretty. It's laid out pretty formally. Um. And Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, um, but then he says he wants to um, approach record production from the standpoint of artistry, and I think a lot of people do pro- to do approach record production as sort of like either a financial endeavor, like how much money can we throw it, and the artists do the art, and, and a record producer's job is just to facilitate and get out of the way. And or, you know, sometimes their job is like the producer is also the engineer or the producer works side by side with the engineer. And it's more of a technical thing and not an artistic process. Right. Mm. Sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. It's like, you know, it's very hard to define the producer's job because. I mean, there are producers who are just they get the producer credit and maybe they're just um, facilitating as in like putting the right people together in a room, you know, like right. maybe they're just, uh, you know, some, uh, yeah, I mean, it could, it could be like some of the producers are just the money making people. They're like, okay, let right. me call this person to get this. And, uh, I guess, I'll, I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, think about like Jimmy Levine. you know, like the producer, he produced like tons of, uh, Oh, no, I, I mean, Ivy, that's it. Sorry. The Dr. Dre guy, right? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, the thing. You know, the Tom, you know him as the I mean, Dr. The Dre Petty guy. guy. <laughs> producing Patti Smith, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen back in the day. And yeah. then, you know, and now look what he's doing. It's like he's just this industry dude. He's an industry dude. And he, you know, went and, and collaborated with Dr. Dre to make something, something for the tech world, like headphones, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely like an alley there for like being an industry person. But I think what he's getting at is like, you know, if you're a record producer, if you're a music producer, you are an artist. I mean, he's basically an art director, like what an art director would do for this recording process. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of just uh, the last or like the, like the virgin filter. And what do you mean by virgin filter? I mean, like, unbiased, you know, he's working with these artists and, you know, he's not like, uh, he's just working with the artists judging, uh, like, with the way they interpret themselves through the music. Like, I think the thing that he's getting at through the intro is kind of like, I'm always looking for the truth 
and he dives into uh, talking about how, you know, like it's got to strike you. It's got to strike the right emotions in the listener. Mm-hmm. It's not truthful, uh, and, you know, and, and if it's not honest, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're just, you know, then you're not doing it right. Like you're not, you're not getting the right stuff. Yeah, so that's I like you, what you said made me think of a few things. Like, so I think of the producer as being like, like you said, like just kind of like transparent. Like they're out, they're out of the way. You know, they're there to facilitate the artist's vision, but they're not there to impose like their artistic. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say that, but you know, you could you could come to the conclusion that by by stepping out of the way and just supporting the artist's vision that you're not imposing your own artistry but if we think back to that quote he says i want to produce it from the standpoint of being an artist and i want to be an artist so i want my act of production to be considered like an artwork in and of itself in a way like that's how i'm interpreting it but then it's like well how do you how do you be an artist but also not, you know, impose your agenda on this thing, right? Oh, yeah. And, right? But no, but sure. I, don't think it's, I don't think there's mutually, mutually exclusive, right? Because I think, like, you know, the artist might come in and say, you know, the artist might come in and say, oh, I have, I have this band, right? And I wrote this song, and the producer can say, oh, well, you know, this is this is great, but they, well, they can say, the producer can say like, well, I have this whole you know, I have a whole network of these engineers, and I'm listening to your record, and I'm thinking, I know the right engineer, right, and mm-hmm. to, to pair you with, and that's there's no artist. I don't know if there's artistry in that because that's um, but there is an artist. There's an artistic choice because we're talking about art, right. So you have to make an artistic choice in that in that moment, you know. And then furthermore, you could also be listening to it. A producer could go so far as to say, "Hey, look, I love this song, but the chorus is too long." Right? Yeah. And so you are so, but you're not. But that's not transparent. You know, that's that's you're you're a filter, but you're filtering out. You're actually a filter. You're filtering out the bad stuff. You know, in in you know, quote unquote, because it's not, you can't say it's good or bad, but I guess in that, I guess filter is not a good word to use because filter would mean taking it, taking something out, you know, like narrowing, uh, you know, like maybe filter is like a negative term to use, but he's definitely uh, refining or even like helping the artist artist pivot, you know, um, I, I guess, and this is kind of like I'm quoting it from another book that I love. It's called the uh, like the the art of of Zen mixing or something like that. I'll have to get you the, the author and everything from. Oh it. yeah, but he talks about like he t- he's talking about mixing, but I also think that it translates into you you you're like um, when you take a piece of art to be to be framed, you know, like uh, they don't just wrap it in a in a frame you know there's uh they they like set it in they give it a border you know and they really high like put it they highlight the the art when you go get something mm-hmm. framed and he was like so i think it's kind of like making sure that the artist is uh i don't know like they're living their best life like being their best self yeah and being being uh being truthful to their art yeah yeah, this is, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> got my mind going right now because I like what you said about the frame. Yeah. It's like, is the frame part of the art or not? You know? And Yeah, I think it is. I think context is, right. is, is a, just, you can't deny it. It's part of the presentation, no doubt. And, you know, it's like some art, you might have this little, you might have this painting and, you know, just the size of the mat you know, whether you use a two-inch or a four-inch mat mm-hmm. behind it, 
And whether you use a gold frame or a black frame or, or whether you use an ornate frame or a simple frame, all these things are like part of the presentation. And so like when the artist comes in, you know, there's, I guess when you're, you know, this is kind of the tricky thing about being a producer. It's like the way I read this book, it's almost like the producer is almost like this elder, wiser, you know, like person who knows who it's sort of almost implied that they know more than the artist in some respect about certain things. And so it's like, you know, the artist comes in with a song or, and the band has an arrangement and this, and for, for all intents and purposes, the song is done. But when you put that in a recorded context and what is that presentation like, you know, what parts of the music pop at certain parts? Is there, you know, how do you bring the emotion out of the chorus? Or how do you bring the emotion out of the bridge? How do you treat it properly? It's part of songwriting in a way. But it almost, sa- it almost says to me like, oh, wait a minute. There's more to songwriting than songwriting. And maybe songwriting is too much for one person. Maybe the songwriter, maybe it's enough for the songwriter to worry about the, the lyrics and the chords but there's someone else that's needed, you know, to refine the overall presentation, you know? I, I think, you know, he is, how do I want to put this? Forget it. It, it left my mind mm. already. Uh okay. You know, and also it's, I, yeah. but it's also about like he talks about connecting with the music. So right. I think it's even like let's just say it's a band, and the singer maybe someone else wrote the song. The singer's got to sing the song. So like this as a producer, he's going to work with, you know, the songwriter, and you know he this producer he may be the arranger, but he's just like looking for a a mark. You know, he's looking to make sure that it hits all the right marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, connecting with the, the audience and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a better thought than that. I wish I could remember it. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, I feel like I'm in. We're in like a college class now, just talking about this book. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Should I? So we, you know, and by the way, and we don't have to. You know, this is there's no rules. But we're at 28 minutes, so we're almost up to 30 minutes. Now, we, we can go a little longer if you have time. Yeah, I mean, cut maybe 30 minutes. you may want to cut some of the, the BS out. We, we talked for like 15 minutes. It's about ourselves, so I don't know if you're going to use no, all that. No, I don't cut BS. No, we don't. Oh. There's no BS. You know why? Because the product is not this book. We're the product of this, you know? Yeah. So um, you're, everything, is, everything is on the table here, so. Um, um, and I don't, there's no rule. We've done hour long podcasts, but you want to do like one more quote or something? And Yeah, let's do one more quote. Okay. So the next quote I have highlight, highlighted is the world. Oh, this is the one that I had to read a bunch of times. The world looks chaotic and meaningless to one who seeks knowledge from masters who don't provide deeper explanations for their actions or insights into their creative process. It is on page three, if you care. Yeah, I remember. Um, My goal is to expose the creative motivation and intent that influences the choices great producers make when producing great records. Should I read it again? No, I I, I remember it, and I get it, because I think he wrote this after he also was talking about how, like, there's a lot of music that sounds great, you know, like, as far as, like, song structure, all this stuff is great, but it doesn't really connect with, like, People on an emotional level, and uh, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I think there's even like dance music that connects pe- with people on, a, on an emotional level, but I do think there's a lot of like stuff floating around there, uh, around out there that just doesn't, you know, it's like you can kind of, it's kind of enjoyable, but you also it doesn't really stick with you, you gloss over it, um, and I think he's sort of like on a mission where like people who are very passionate about uh, whatever it is, especially if it's like a, a niche thing, like 
you know, like a producer is a very confusing thing. What exactly is, does a producer do, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And so he addresses that in the book and, and, you know, I think he wants to see more, uh, more art, you know, more honesty and art in this world. And that's what he's just like, I'm going to break this down to you best I can. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully you take it and you can adapt it and you can, you know, we can make more, you know, great stuff. And then since you have it broken down to a science, that puts you in a better position to pass that down to pat, you know, and then for that person to learn in this way and pass it down. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like a, it's got a little movement going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, he, I think, he, I think what you said um, when he, you said it's like, and it seemed like, I think, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what you said, but you basically just said like, he wants people to make art. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then it also, it makes you think like, oh, well, wait a minute. It's like, well, and, and even you said that there's, there's dance music that connects with people on an emotional level. It's like, well, yeah, what is, it, it almost begs the question, of, like, what is music for and what is true art? And how can you, and, and, you know, it seems like he has this overall, I think like, you know, just to like sort of even... Um, to like piggyback on what you said and sort of like and double down on it. It's like almost like he's saying we have to be reaching for something greater. We always have to be striving for something greater than just what are the mechanics of this, you know? Because like you said, there's plenty of stuff out there that doesn't connect with people. And that is potentially stuff that, you know, was either just not, made it just wasn't art it's just it's craft work right it's like yeah. somebody somebody yeah. picked and all it, the and, boxes and all of that you know? stuff right it checks the boxes and that's when that's when like you get into like watered down trends that are get that get watered down you know yeah. as, as they go and you know you i don't know yeah like how can and how can you make so like he he was saying from the con from the perspective of a producer like what, you know, um, a lot of producers maybe, you know, he almost like calls out producers because they're like, oh, well, a lot of these producers describe their their process from more of a technical perspective. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, that's part of it, but you're missing the point. You have to go deeper than that because we're trying to make art here. So, yeah. you know. This well, is like, engineer, don't forget engineering is the art too. Like producing, using the studio as an instrument is like a totally different art. But you know, he's he, he's talking about uh, it's like people work. It's person to person, or like you know, act to you know. He's he's connecting with these people. He's getting inside their head. They're like he's helping them uh, understand themselves better and helping them grow. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think um, he also does. He's. It's all about for him. It's all about. I guess. Uh, about digging deeper and understanding, the artist's vision. And yeah. it's all about like how deep can he go, you know. That's kind of like that's kind of his thing. I, I haven't read as far as you have actually. So I was really interested I mean, in the whole questionnaire I, thing. I'm, I think I'm about up to chapter like five right now, but yeah. and I'm, I'm not, I won't give away the farm or anything with it, but uh, you know, how deep can he go? Just like understanding how it is to, you know, work with other artists and creative people uh, or, you know, even, how deep can he go? He can only move an artist. It's, you know, it's not, he can facilitate it, but, you know, the artist is only going to move as far as the artist is ready to move, you know? So it's not about like, uh, uh, and sometimes he could probably be very impactful on an artist and Mm -hmm. sometimes maybe not, but it may just be the, uh, you know, the little 
the training wheels that, you know, just changes the way the artist looks for the next product, uh, looks at things for the next project they do, you know? I see. So. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, he, yeah, so, like, being a mentor, making an impact in people's lives, like, he's got a very holistic and, like, soulful way of looking at being a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like, this is not just, to him, it's not just record production. This is like a, this is like, how do you turn record production into something that's even, like, almost on a, like a spiritual level or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just, that's definitely the way I interpret it. Yes. Very spiritual and yeah. uh, nurturing, mentoring. And like, I think about like, uh, uh, never mind. I don't even want to say it. It's like a lame reference. Cause I, I mean, yeah, hell I'll use it. So think about like Rick Rubin and, and Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, like what did he do? Like step one, if you've ever seen, I don't remember where I saw this, you know, and I, I think it's like a recent yeah, sort of it, documentary. There's a pop, isn't it the, the pop documentary? Maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, I think you know, that's about I think what you're talking about. Before that, I saw it in, in something else. And basically like the first step, he was like, he didn't know that he was going to make an album with Johnny Cash. Nothing was, you know, but he did get himself in a position where he would hang out with Johnny Cash and, they, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't even do it at first, but they would set up the recording machine. And I think, you know, he talks about how how Johnny like Cash thought he was he was down for the count. But I think even just like giving giving him the opportunity to sit down on a couch and play his songs and like talk all you know, I think he like unclogged something. I think he like relieved some sort of pressure there. And, uh, you know, they were able to just produce a monumental album. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, recreate that man's career in the way the whole uh, whole generation saw him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like, that's a producer. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's, you know, actually, so I'll, I'll follow up on that and, and we can, we can end pretty soon. Um, but kind of what I had in mind by reading this book was just like getting in the, you know, learning actual skills, um, number one, but also like just maybe adopting some techniques to get into the mindset of creativity and create and creation, you know, and whether it's, I read the book and it just helps me or whether I read the book and it helps me help you mm-hmm. or whether you read the book and it helps you or whether you read the book and it helps you help you, someone else or me or, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, it's like, it's just, and, and you know, I think maybe, you know, like me by now that I'm just sort of like a brute force kind of guy. Like, I don't know where, what happened to my flow, but I, I use like sheer will to just get me into the flow, mm-hmm. you know, half the time. And that's kind of where, like, reading the book was just like, well, I don't know what to do to, to make better music and make more music. And I don't know what to do to, like, deepen my friendship with others and deepen these partnerships that we have, you know, and all these things. Like, and, but, but I think, like, reading the book is one idea, and we'll try it. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't work. Who the hell knows what will happen next? But, you know, it's like, if we don't try it, we'll read this book and we'll read a hundred others and we'll just see where, how, where it goes. And, you know, yeah. I think like when you were talking, it's sort of like in the Rick Rubin anecdote was sort of like, you know, um, there's a, there's a wisdom in there somewhere. That's like, how do you, how do you just let the flow, how do you get into the flow? You know? So, you know, maybe it's like, maybe they're two sides of the same coin. You know, when you say the flow, you mean like as an artist, how do you get into the flow? Because you're looking to unlock some creativity. I, you know, yeah, like I personally, and I think you already know this, like my flow is not, my flow is I've committed to putting every moment of practicing that I ever do online. And it's sort of like 
it's become sort of my, you know, my um, my accountability mechanism. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, it's just like I can't stop because I'm doing because it's like now it's like I have a TV show, you know, even though nobody <laughs> watches it, it's like. I have a fucking TV show that I have to show up for because I'm syndicated, you know, or like whatever, you know, it's like, this is my accountability, like me fucking with my own brain to make me do it over and over again. You know, I I think that's great. As long as it's not inhibiting you, like, you know, if you're too distracted because the camera's rolling or you're, if you feel like there's some sort of, uh, any sort of barrier up, then I don't know. Who cares? You don't have to come like, you know, like you said, yeah, this is your thing, and you want to unlock your creativity, and you know, and it's fine to also be like, I did this for a year, I did this for a month, and you know, I'm sick of doing it. I mean, you might cycle around again and do it, but right, what is it at what cost? Like, you know, you yeah, there. Yeah, no, and I, you know, I, I, I think it's just like, I, I bring it up just because I think there's. Uh, you know, you you can, from a producer standpoint, you, I guess maybe I guess what I think probably what I'm just saying is that you need to have a bag of tricks, so to speak. And my my bag of tricks, you know, I could expand my bag of tricks just so I have a takeaway. And and because I was interested in that Rick Rubin thing that you mentioned, that I watched the same show you did, and I can't remember what it was either, but. Um, you know, I, I, that it, it sat with me that that happened, but I didn't sit on it too long. And now you reminded me and now I realized like, oh yeah, that was important because it was meaningful that Johnny Cash was basically like washed up. Right. And it took a guy like Rick Rubin, who's a famous producer and he's a very prolific producer and he's broken down a lot of walls, you know? Yeah, and it took a guy like that, and I think there's a lot to learn from that that moment in time where it was like, yeah, Rick Rubin, what did he do? Like he just gave Johnny Cash, who's like a legend in his own way, gave him like just this, you know, gave him even just what he needed, and then he had this resurgence where he became, you know, like something he never thought he would be in a way, and it was like there's something. There's there's almost something like magical that I can't wrap my brain around in that in that in that story, you know, in that event. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, did you see that thing that Rick Rubin did with uh, Paul McCartney? It's like streaming on Hulu right now. You know, I'm getting uh, sponsored for all this. <laughs> we should be getting sponsored. Did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. It's just it's so great because it's it's literally him. Rick Rubin and, and McCartney, like, just sitting around. I think they have stems, and they're just listening to a select songs, Beatles tunes, all Beatles tunes. And uh, he just gets McCartney to, I mean, you know, he's very, McCartney's very charismatic, uh, open dude, so it seems as it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but... I don't know. I thought it was like a real treasure of a thing to watch because he just starts talking and, you know, they, you start to, I mean, how long have I been, uh, you know, how many times have I heard these Beatles songs before? But it's still kind of like, you know, they recognize a couple patterns and you got to really like him going, like being like, oh yeah, it was this guy playing this part and this guy playing this part. And it just gave you like this really cool uh, insight. But I mean, the point is like even, Rick Rubin, and, and there's another, there's like a podcast that I listen to, uh, I forget what the name of it is, I always listen to it with my girlfriend. Song Exploder. No, it's not Song yeah. Exploder. Rick Rubin actually like calls in and like he, he must be some sort of, he must have something invested in the podcast because like there was oh. a white episode where Rick Rubin like called in and like did some of the interview with them and like mm. I think there was another, he does, he is, uh, with Ozzy Osbourne, he like calls in and, and uh, and it's just like he's, um, you know, just he, he can bring something out in someone and really get, him, get them talking. He's just like a cool dude, and he, like, knows how to build, like, a very, like, mutual respect, rapport, and uh, safe environment, and, like, openness. 
you know, and I, I, I see him do it, uh, you know, and it's not just his music production. I see him do it when he's just talking to people, you know. And he's, you know, like you said, he's been, he's got insight, you know, he's been doing this also since the mid 80s, you know, early 80s. So, uh, getting back to what you were saying about how, like, it's almost like this elder that just, like, knows they have this insight. Like, yeah, I do think that's, like, part of, like, a good producer. I think you can even look at, uh, uh, what's that movie, like, uh, they made about, like, Pat. Pat Benatar and her original bands. Still there? Yeah, I actually don't know the know the movie. Well, I mean, it's the name of her original band, which I don't know why I can't remember. The Runaways. And uh, you know, oh. they're like they're a bunch of teenagers. Like they don't know how to do anything. You know, they could barely play the instrument, but they, you know, they had a a mentor, and not only did he get them. Uh, you know, help them grow as artists, not just for the record, but, like, for them to perform on uh, on stage and, like, develop their following and learn how to communicate with their audience and learn how to, like, you know, do all these things. And I think that's, that's also part of it. That's cool. You know, actually, one day I'd like to make a list of, like, every music-related movie. Yeah. Put a playlist for it, too. Yeah. And just check them all out. You know, I think – so. I do think we should end the podcast, but I actually do want to say like you, what you were just talking about with the Rick Rubin thing mm-hmm. and, and then um, making it a safe space. That's something that this guy, Michael Beinhorn also talks about. And I think like, you know, the wisdom, whatever the hell wisdom is, is like the secret weapon of the producer, you know, that safe space is like the, the, the absolute like critical thing. Right. I yeah I think so I mean yeah you know for me the music that I listen to has always been very raw like you know I especially in the nineties was listening to indie rock you know the people they were not great singers you know and and mm-hmm. coming out of uh, and this is a time where like who had been wh- what had been shoved down my throat through the media and through the radio Nirvana. Uh, Pearl Jam, I don't know, maybe like Sugar Ray, like, you know, <laughs> very produced stuff um, or very like a, like aggressive stuff where it was like, okay, there's screaming, but it wasn't like not, it wasn't like it was singing, you know, in a way, but then you listen to, oh, I don't know, like Pavement or Super Chunk where it was just like a completely different Thing, and it was like completely honest and raw and uh, uh, you know so I think and then I mean even to date it back look at you know look at you know Bob Dylan being like an iconic vocalist really and and look at the way he sings but you know try to try to sing like him or try to take one of his more like wordy songs and, and you play it, and you deliver it, and see if you can get it to connect the same way, and uh, it's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think there's, you know, it's, there's just a lot of artistry in people working with, you know, their strengths and going in like just like amplifying their own personality you know that's what all the music is all about anyway so yeah like that's what i think it's like you don't have to have like the most angelic voice and it's like what are you going to do these days that hasn't really already been done right um but the one thing that you do in like music is music is this healing thing like that's why people you know, where does music come from? Like, early civilization, I'm sure, had it, you know, they had their powwows and they would dance and mm-hmm. sing and it unites everyone and it it just gets all the bad bones out, it gets all the dust out. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, as, if you're going to do music as an art, I just, yeah, I think you got to be very uh, uh, real and believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, authentic. Yeah, and I think if, you know, if you're not, obviously, like, you, you know, I, I'm going to give this one thing away. He talks about what an artist is, and 
the difference between um, uh, he doesn't really talk about the, di the difference, but what he does say that an artist is that I couldn't say it better myself. Being an artist is it's a calling. You know, it's something that you have to do. Like for me, my life would be a lot easier if I didn't really care about picking up the guitar and mm -hmm. writing something. Like, but if I wasn't doing that, I would I would definitely be expressing myself in a, in another way. You know, like if I just like I don't know if I didn't have the if I couldn't use my voice anymore if I just you know couldn't play the guitar anymore. It would definitely be another way. It is a calling and. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, I think that, it, you know, learning how to truly just express yourself no matter how, whatever the sound that comes out is, like, I think that's worth putting out there, you know? Mm -hmm. so, and that goes along with your, your motto, too, just always be creating, you know? Mm -hmm. so. anyway. Yeah. Well, actually, what yeah, you just said was just, here. yeah, well, actually, I think, well, that's, the, I mean, this is the beauty of the podcast is that it's like really so free form and it lets people just go like that. And I think what you said with this last comment you just made was like, so, you know, it's like if I had this, this podcast uh, organized where I always asked the final question and the final question was like, what's the most important message you'd like to leave our listeners? I think what you just gave them was already that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you know? That's what I feel like this dude is doing. Like, you know, he's, he's you know, he even, and, oh, I know what I was going to say earlier, too. I'm yeah. all over the place. <laughs> um, when I couldn't remember what I was saying, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was along, it was along these lines. And, 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 and this will, so this is the last thing that I'm going to say. I, I was looking this guy up before we did this just to really get his, um, just to get a feel. You know, I know he's produced tons of successful and, and big records, and among them are like Soundgarden, Super Unknown. And for them, for that, Soundgarden was the best reference point for me because I know all of Soundgarden's albums because, you know, when that album was popular, I was like, you know, you, I was at that stage where I'd be like, I like that song, so I'm going to buy the album. And when I buy that album, I want to buy all the albums I can. And some of the albums are hard to find, so it was a little bit, like, cooler to, like, have to run around and find them at the store. So I know those albums, and um, Super Unknown is a super different and much more refined album, and you know, I don't know it that well, but then you have Cornell's, like, solo career. You know, had it not been for working with this guy, I don't know if all that stuff would have happened for them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so there was that. And then another thing, uh, this is relating, and what I was really going to get into, he, maybe you said something about, like, what is the art? But I will say this. I don't even know if he how closely he worked with them because it says that he was a producer for a Violent Femmes record, which is a compilation record. And I think that, you know, and this is why I almost like would use the term art director uh, or like music director uh, because this, this one compilation, this is actually like, you know, I knew the Violent Femmes from a couple songs that I heard on the radio. And for me, they were the kind of band that was like, what is this? You know, like I was just like, give me it. You know, when I heard uh, <laughs> it up, or I, had, or, uh, I, think I heard probably Blister in the Sun was the first thing I heard. Probably, and then yeah. start, like hearing the other hits that like, you know, snuck onto the radio. They didn't get heavy rotation, but and I'd be like, oh, give it to me. And you don't know where to start. And you know, you're a kid, so you're buying CDs and, you know, before the digital age. And you only have so much money to spend. So when a, a great when there was a greatest hits or a compilation, you know sometimes it's a hit or miss. That's a great compilation uh, for their career where it was at the time. You really got to. I, I just I was just re-listening to it before we were getting into it. I was like, wow, because you know at this point I know all their albums individually and I know that compilation. I just like it was in my blood from from growing up listening to it and. Um, I just think that he was really able to put a good a good comp together that really truthfully represented them. It wasn't like a chromatic thing, but it was just kind of like all the different sides of what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
uh, yeah. So and then yeah, that's go, interesting. I want to go somewhere after that. I was trying to come back full circle to what we were talking about at the end. I lost it, but mm. yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know. I thought he was, you know, I mean, I I, I don't even know exactly what you know all all the different things a producer might be responsible before, you know, but but putting together a compilation is a very interesting thing to do because it's something that you could easily just throw out and just put all the number ones on it. But for a band like the Violent Femmes that had none, you know, they made Blister and the Sun might have been a number one for like a week, some at you know at one point, but they had it's no other song. College radio, who knows, you know? Yeah. So so to put together a compilation for them was obviously a strategic thing for the record company um, because they needed to try to, like, get this band that was sort of relatively unknown to give somebody something to latch on to. But also, it's like to do such a good job of it that it becomes a collection in its own right. It's like, you know, um, that's like that's like art director, you know, sort of sort of level stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, man. Was there what? What the hell was I going to add to that? Yeah, because I, I, yeah, I, get, I guess we're getting, I guess we're getting fatigued. You know, uh, post post quarantine social fatigue. Is that what happens <laughs> to me right now? Could be anything. I, I I'm not used to talking to people for this long. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I I think um I do think we oh it, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, go for uh, it. Also, and to get back to the reference. Listen to um, listen to Soundgarden. What's the name of the song? Like any of it, like the album with Bad Motorfinger on it, or uh, uh-huh. oh, maybe Bad Motorfinger is the name of the album. Uh, yeah. Think about like Rusty Cage, or like you know, listen to that album and listen to the way Chris Cornell sings. He wills, right? And he's like got this voice. Listen to uh, what was the way I first time I heard Chris Cornell was probably like. Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike, you know, and like, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to give the impression that I'm like a, uh, an advocate for this 90s music because I, you know, I'm not a fan of it these days. It was just kind of like <laughs> what was around and what was kind of like, unfortunately, shoved down our throats back in the day. This is before the internet. Um, and, um, you know, listen, and then listen to Super Unknown. He's got peaks and valleys in his voice. He learns how to just you, you know, he always had an incredible voice, but no one, he would just show up and the band would probably record their thing. And they were like, yeah, that's what he does. He wails. And then he got this guy to produce this stuff. And all of a sudden he's like whispering almost on some tunes, you know, very like low register stuff. Yeah. Interesting. So I just think, you know, like that's, you know, that's what a good producer does. It's kind of like you know, pushes also just going to like push your limits, like to be like, you know, you're not comfortable with this? Like, why? Like, how do you really know what you're comfortable with or what? Mm-hmm. Until you, like, really get out there and, like, really give it a, give it a go. <laughs> What's hilarious is that after this conversation, I almost feel a little more stressed out about making music because, like, I feel like there's just, like, this nebulous, you know, like – a serial thing like this, this um, ideal album or something out there that I'll never achieve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I think that's number one. Like, I think you, you know, if I was your producer, I'd be like, Oh, don't worry about that. Let it go. And I would, I would probably say to you something like, well, you know, like when you perform, like think about just like a song that you're like really proud of that you love, you know, you're like, I think this is the best song I ever wrote. Like, you know, really be honest with yourself and, like, how does it feel when you perform it? Are you getting that, um, like, are you getting that feeling, you know, that where it's just like, I don't know, that that feeling, that right feeling? Is it, does it mm-hmm. feel like, uh, does it feel like this is uh, big? You know, does it does it give you that big feeling and does it like that you would just feel really great or I don't know, maybe there's you can be honest with yourself, no, because like of this part or that part. So I think 
you know, uh, yeah, possibilities are endless, but you can't get hung up on that. You just got to be, you know, make sure that it feels good and feels right to you. You know, whether it's the simplest thing, the most complex thing, you know, it could be not even that creative, but if you're like hitting the mark right and it does the right thing, I mean, I think that's going to transcend, you know, by the time you, you know, have a final recording or version of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, clearly you can't get too hung up on certain things. Yeah, I mean, and I you don't just, think... Yeah, the feeling is number one. I think, I think especially when you're, you're in the creative process, I mean, you just, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there's no, it's really hard to say where the start and where the end is. And, you know, people will also say like a recording or a record is just where that song is at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. So you know, be happy with that. Don't be happy like, I think I could do it better. Like, yeah, you probably will. You probably can do it better. You probably do it better (laughs) fucking next week, but you'll do it really good in like a year. You know, like I think of, uh, and also not like, uh, I don't really listen to this band's records, but I played in some cover bands where I had to play. Um, Like the singer from the killers, like their breakout album. He sings very great singer, you know, but he sings very, um, he doesn't he you listen to like the early stuff and then you listen to some live stuff and the later stuff or listen listen to him sing one of their early hit songs uh from a recent live show and it's like he's much more he can do a lot more with his voice and like connect with the audience in a much different way and i you know i just i I just can't imagine like you don't do it because you're trying to there's no bar set you know you're not doing it because you have to. Uh, it's not like playing a sport where you have to, like, your stats matter, you know? Like, you look at people like even, like, uh, Daniel Johnston, you know? Like, he is uh, so famous, and he's written songs, and, you know... Who, who is that? Oh, I'm going to send you a link so you can listen to him. He's he's this dude... <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's got social... Maybe he's got, like, is there, like, autism there or, or something like that? And, you know... He, you know, he would write these songs and instead of like dubbing his demo tapes, he would just, he'd be like, oh, I want to make one for this person, one for this person. He would sit there and just record it three times, you know, like same song, different performances. So, you know, so no, everyone gets a different performance. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's not like he didn't know how to use the technology because he would record something and then basically like play along with it. He would do like kind of a four track thing over dubbing between a double tape deck. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, he's and people like, you know, they make compilations where other bands cover his songs. I mean, and some of them are great, especially when other bands do it. I get like really into some of them. Um, but, you know, he's just like a very earnest, honest, like, you know, dude writing these these whacked out songs, you know. Huh. And um yeah, I mean, I I just think that like you just got to do whatever <laughs> I don't know. You just got to do you, man. <laughs> yeah. I oh I agree that's I mean that's why I kind of just like been doing everything live you know like everything's one everything's one take everything's live because I feel like I just all I want to have is that energy I don't want to get bogged down in the technology at all you know and I and I don't mind I'd rather have like I feel like I just want to make a million records I don't want to make one record I just want to make a, a record per day you know and just have a catalog of just like uh, uh make it like be alive you know not that that's overwhelming the, the, the thought of a record a day i mean hell if you can write a phrase a day a lyric a day that'd be, I'd be right well i'd be set with that it'd be like great if, if if i can just like produce something worthwhile creative every day <laughs> good shape yeah i agree all right man so let's let's cap it off um we'll We'll um we'll do this again. I feel like you know, as much as you want to come on the show, you're of course invited because this is a good. I actually love just chilling and bullshitting about music with you, and I feel like this this book got us going in a certain sense. Yeah, same. Um, Unlocking creativity: A Producer's Guide to Music Making Music and Art by Michael Beinhorn. We are uh, affiliates of Amazon, so we have sold our souls to the devil. And so if you want to help the podcast out, you can click the link in the description to buy the book and we get a small cut. 
We're also affiliates to Reverb.com, so you can click that link in the description and buy the book through, um, uh, buy anything at Reverb through that link, and we get a small con- commission as well. And Reverb's a fun place to browse. Um, as for Justin, um, I'll include a link to your Bandcamp. Do you want to link anything else? Uh, no, nah, I don't think nothing I can really think of right now. Not yet. Okay. All right. So we'll do. I mean, uh, this won't come out for another week at least. Mm-hmm. Um. So just you know, I, I think I still have your Bandcamp link from last time. But if you think of anything you want to link to, mm-hmm. um, just shoot it over and I'll I'll put it in. Okay. Cool. Cool. And then you know, just text me the next time you want to do a show. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I tomorrow, can, I can, let's do it tomorrow afternoon. You got to read yeah, the next I can, chapter. I can batch them actually. <laughs> like this one will come out for a week, so if we do another one tomorrow, it won't come out for two weeks or three weeks or something. Yeah. You know, so that's no, just the way we'll, it works. We'll give it a little bit of space. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. Uh, but, so thanks so much for coming on the show. It's awesome. I love hey, man, doing thanks this. for having me. Always yeah. enjoy. Love catching yeah, up with you like this. Word up. Okay. Cool. I'll talk to you next time. Later, dude. All right. Bye. See ya.